If you have your Bible with you this morning, go ahead and turn to the book of Mark. We will be in chapter 10, and we will be starting in verse 46. The book of Mark is one of four Gospels that talks about the life of Jesus. It is concise, it is action-packed, and it's written in chronological order, that which simply means it's just written in the order that the events occurred. It opens with the baptism of Jesus, and it, has, it starts talking about the temptation um, that he had in the, de- in the wilderness. And then it moves quickly into Jesus' public ministry. Mark's intended audience was for the Christians in Rome. And at the time, the, the Roman Christians, or yeah, the Roman people, they worshipped many gods. He really wanted to prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus was the one true Son of God, that he was the Messiah. Mark vividly illustrates Jesus and his disciples moving from town to town, performing miracle after miracle. The story that we will be looking at today is the last of the miracles that Mark wrote about before Jesus and his disciples headed into Jerusalem, where Jesus would ultimately be crucified. Please stand with me as we read God's word about a blind man named Bartimaeus from the Mark from Mark 10:46. Then they reached Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, many of the people yelled at him, but he only shouted all the louder, Son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, Tell him to come here. So they called the blind man. Cheer up, they said. Come on, he's calling you. Barnabas threw aside his coat, jumped up, and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked. My rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, go, for your faith has healed you. Instantly, the blind man could see, and he followed Jesus down the road. Let us pray. God, we praise and thank you that you are merciful. We thank you, God, that you listen and respond to our heartfelt cries of faith. God, I pray that the words that I speak today would not be mine, but that they would be yours. And I pray that those that are listening today would have hearts that are wide open to receive what you would have for them. May this be a day of breakthrough and transformation in which we could begin to walk with you in a new way. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may have a seat. I feel like I should say to go ahead and give someone a high five and greet them because I didn't say it before. And so, so we can do that right now. Go ahead and give someone a high five because that's just what we do here. Right? Right? How many of you have ever needed help with something and for whatever reason you just didn't ask? Anybody? Is it just me? <laughs> um, sometimes I don't always like to ask for help when I need it. 
but um, for, for whatever reason it is. Most of the time it's because I don't like to bother people and I feel like I'm a burden. Other times, I just like to figure things out on my own. I'm a problem solver and I just like to dig in and figure things out. Other times, I can be a little bit stubborn, right? Right? I have an attitude that I don't, I don't need any help. I'm just going to do this by myself, kind of like that two-year-old. That doesn't always end well. A few years ago, I truly needed some help, but I found all kinds of excuses and people to blame for some health concerns that came up during a, a routine doctor visit. And I t decided to take it upon myself to fix the things on my own. So typically I take pretty good care of myself and so these routine visits were never an issue for me and, and I actually enjoyed going to them. This particular year though, I had let things slide just a bit and I didn't realize it until that day. And as you all probably know, when you go to these routine visits, the first thing they do is put you on the scale, right? Right? I stepped on this scale and I was like blown away. Whoa, I haven't seen that number since I was pregnant, right? So I go and I look at my clothes. What am I wearing that's so heavy? It couldn't possibly be that I put on some weight, right? The next thing that happens is they take you in another room and they take your blood pressure, right? So they put this cuff on my arm and, and those numbers were elevated too. And I was like, whoa, and I'm thinking to myself, it's because you just stuck me on the scale and I'm still recovering from that, right? <laughs> and then here comes the doctor in and I slap a smile on my face. Okay, I got this together. And he pulls up my lab work on the computer and he starts reading more elevated numbers, right? Okay, so cholesterol is like up. Triglycerides, I don't even know what those are, but obviously those were a problem too. So we had this, con this conversation about uh, what my diet and my exercise and my stress level had looked like over the course of the last year. And I tried to convince him that, you know, nothing's changed, everything's the same, I don't know what's, what, what's wrong, you know, I'm thinking, okay, there's something wrong here. He didn't, um, he didn't quite believe me, though. So instead of leaving that day uh, with a good report card, um, I left with an assignment to write down everything that I was eating and logging all the exercises that I was supposed to be doing and a pamphlet with, on stress management and all this good stuff and a follow-up appointment um, to take a look at these results later. I'm a little bit embarrassed um, to admit this, but I left there and I was mad at the doctor <laughs> as if it was his fault or something. You know, I have a daughter who's in the medical profession and we joke about this sometimes. We have a, a tendency to blame our doctors for our own poor health choices. Um, the funny thing is I, I went home and I started whining to my dear husband about this. Okay, something you should know about Mark is that he is the most gentle um, and kind person you will ever meet. Um, but the thing about Mark is there is absolutely no fa f false fluff about him whatsoever, you know? He says, it's like, says it like it is, and so I am whining and I'm complaining to him and just like, got these triglycerides, Mark, I don't know what they are, and I, I finally realized that he has a blank stare on his face, and I'm like, Mark? <laughs> Why don't you seem a bit as surprised? And all he had to say was, well, Sue. <laughs> and so all of a sudden I became furious with him. And I started to blame the man that loved me the most for the poor choices that I had been making. And I blamed him for my own, um, my own health uh, issues. And so this just sent me on a mission. Okay, 
This is where the stubbornness kicked in, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to fix this on my own. I can do this. Okay, I'm going to prove these guys wrong here, that, that I'm healthy and I can do this. So I went to the store, and I bought all kinds of vitamins, right? And I bought a whole bunch of lettuce. So all right, here we go, here we go. There is a reason that vitamins are called supplements, right? They are not meant to replace real food. And my friends, I tell you what, lettuce is not real food. I spent several days sick. And I finally re resigned to the fact that, okay, I, I, I do need some help. I do need some help. And so um, I didn't wait for my next doctor's appointment. Instead, I, I called my doctor and I said, okay, okay, I've, I've made a mess of things here. Can, can you help me? And so we went through some things, and um, there were th some things that I had to cut out of my life. There were some things that I had to add to my life. And um, these changes could only begin until I took full responsibility for where I was at and I reached out for help. And at that moment, I had a choice to make. Was I going to stay where I was at or was I going to take a step for a better health and step into something new, something better? And as we learn about Barnabas, that is exactly where he is at. Um, he was completely surrendered ready for a change as he cried out to Jesus. We're going to go ahead and we are going to unpack the story of Barnabas a little bit. In Mark 10, verse 46, we read, Then they reached Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. Here we need to ask ourselves, why was he sitting at the side of the road? Because that's what he did. You see, he was a blind beggar. It's all he ever knew. Did he like it there? Probably not, but it was comfortable. That is who he was, that was his identity. But while he was at the side of the road, he got to hear about Jesus. He got to hear about all the miracles and the people that, he, that he, Jesus was healing. And little by little, Barnabas' faith began to grow. And I have to believe that he began to dream. He had to dream about what it was like to be able to see and to live a life of freedom in that area. We read on, When Barnabas heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, many of the people yelled at him. But he only shouted all the louder. Son of David, have mercy on me. I absolutely love this passage, and it is significant. Because the son of David was a messianic title. It was known that the Messiah would come through the line of David. This tells us that Barnabas knew who Jesus was. He knew that Jesus was the Messiah. Barnabas may have been blind, but he could hear. And he was hearing about all the miracles, and his faith grew. When his chance came to meet Jesus, not even the rebuking crowd could silence his voice. 
nor could his faith be silenced. We go on to read, when Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, tell him to come here. The faith of Barnabas arrested Jesus in his footsteps. This hopeless man, the man that was viewed through the human eye as worthless, stopped Jesus in his footsteps. My friends, Jesus responds to faith, not to social standings, not to efforts, not to popularity, but he responds to faith, a heartfelt cry of faith. This isn't the only time that we see this happen in the Bible. In Luke 8, we hear about a woman with a blood disorder who had been bleeding for 12 years. According to Jewish law, this condition would have made her ritually unclean. And basically it meant it was illegal for her to be out in public and be around people. Her condition labeled her as dirty, unworthy, unclean. But like Barnabas, she too heard about Jesus and she knew who he was. She understood that he was the Messiah, that in him she had hope. She began to dream that maybe one day she would be able to be with people. When she heard he was passing through, she desperately wanted him to heal her. So she decided, well, maybe, maybe I can just crawl through the crowd and if I touch his garment, I'll be healed. So she did that. She crawled through the crowd, getting kicked, stepped on, whatever the case may be, but she grabbed his garment. And immediately, Jesus stopped and called out, Who touched me? He stopped for the one. What I love about both of these stories is even though Jesus was on his way somewhere and he was surrounded by a crowd of people, he was present in the moment. He stopped for the one who came to him in faith, who cried out to him in faith. That one person in the crowd matters. That one person here today matters. You matter. We go on back to Barnabas and his story. We left off with the disciples telling Barnabas to come to Jesus. Barnabas had a choice to make that day. Would I stay or would he go? In verse 50 we read, Barnabas threw aside his coat and he jumped up and he came to Jesus. Now imagine with me for a moment, Barnabas is blind. And this is huge, because you see this coat that he was wearing? It gave him begging rights. It was his identity, it was who he was, it was how he stayed alive. But he longed for more. And his faith was so great that he threw aside his familiar lifestyle. And blindly, he, he stumbled his way to Jesus. 
in anticipation that maybe today is the day. And even though the crowd was rebuking him, again, he couldn't be silenced and his faith could not be stopped. We go on to the next verse. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. My rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, Go, for your faith has healed you. Go, your faith has healed you. We see this type of passage in other places in the Bible as well. Particularly again, in the story we just looked at about the woman with the blood disorder. Let's go back and take a look at Luke 8. After Jesus called out, Who touched me? The woman trembled in fear at the thought of what this might cost her. She was not allowed to be in this crowd. It was illegal. She had a choice to make at that moment. Would I sneak away? Or would I go to Jesus? She knew she had been healed. She could feel it. And so she told Jesus in front of a watching crowd what she had done. And Jesus said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Your faith has made you well. Again, this is an interesting choice of words that Jesus uses. In the Greek, the term here used to describe this passage is sozo. Sozo means to save, to rescue, to, to deliver, deliver, and to heal. Barnabas and the woman with the bleeding disorder both needed salvation and didn't know it. What they did have, though, was faith. They had faith to reach out to Jesus for what they thought they needed. And what I love about God, my friends, is that he does a complete work. He saves, he heals, and he redeems at the very core. But how much faith, how much faith do we need? In Matthew 17, verse 20, Jesus tells us how much faith we need. Jesus told his disciples, I tell you the truth, if you had faith even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. Now understand here that Jesus isn't talking about real mountains. This is a metaphor to illustrate the obstacles that we face. It is our fears. It is our doubts, it is our insecurities. These mountains represent our blindness. Our blindness to the truth of who Jesus is. Does this mean we, we should never wrestle with these kinds of things? <laughs> Absolutely not. Jesus meets us right where we're at. The, the disciples themselves experience these same feelings. It is in those moments that Jesus can draw us close to him like never before. We hear about this in Matthew 14, 22 through 32. 
when Jesus walks on water. In this passage, we see that the disciples were out in their boat and strong winds and waves began to crash against them. And as they look across the lake, they see a man walking on the water. It's a ghost, <laughs> they declared. But Jesus spoke to them at once in their, terror, in their terror, and he said, don't be afraid. It is I. And Peter, being the impulsive person that he was, he yelled out, Jesus, Jesus, is that really you? If it is, tell me to come and walk with you. And Jesus said, come. Peter had a choice to make. Will I stay or will I go? And Peter got out of the boat and began to walk on water towards Jesus. The wind and the waves began to distract him. And he took his eyes off of Jesus for a moment and he began to sink. His faith lessened during this time. But it was still enough for him to call out to Jesus, save me. And Jesus reached down and pulled him up. Jesus saved Peter from the water that day. But he did more than that. The disciples that stayed in the boat and was watching what happened, they exclaimed, you truly are the Son of God. He saved Peter from the water, but he also saved his disciples who remained in the boat from spiritual blindness. That's sozo. That is salvation. Music team, will you please come up? Perhaps you have a dream that you have given up on. And for whatever reason, for whatever reason you have given up on it. Perhaps there are fears and doubts that are blinding you to the truth of who Jesus is. But imagine with me for a moment being Barnabas. What it was like to be sitting at the side of the road hearing story and story about Jesus. The hearing turned into faith, and he began to believe that one day his dream to see may come true. And what that day, when that day came, imagine with me that he must have been experiencing some doubts, that he must have been experiencing some fears. But he went to Jesus anyway. He listened to the people rebuke him. He listened to the people tell him to go sit back down. He listened to his voice, his own voice probably telling him, what if Jesus doesn't heal me? Will I find my coat back? What if Jesus does heal me? Am I gonna know how to walk with sight? But what I love about Barnabas is he never went back to pick up that coat. That's sozo. He was saved, he was redeemed, he was made new. And that very road that he once walked, that he once sat on, begging, he now walked with Jesus on. Imagine with me, 
being the woman with the blood disorder, dreaming that one day she could be with people, that she would be accepted by society. Imagine with me what it felt like her to believe the lie that her very condition made her so dirty and unworthy that she was toxic to the people around her. That she was toxic to even Jesus. But even though, imagine with me, even though she was hearing all these things and wrestling with all these lies, she went to Jesus in faith. And even though it would, could cost her her life, she went. Her faith was great. And Jesus not only physically healed her, but he redeemed her, he restored her, and he made her new. Your faith has made you well. Imagine with me being Peter, stepping out on that water, and as he began to sink, he trusted Jesus, but he began to sink. Jesus, I thought you were there for me. Jesus, I'm afraid. His faith was faltering, but it was still enough to say, Jesus, save me. Peter's weak faith resulted even in others being spiritually saved. So my friends, your faith not only affects you, but it is an, an overflow to all those that are around you. There's a song that I want to share with you today. It's a song that's been on my heart for a very long time. It is titled Walk on Waves and it talks about the wind and the waves. I just ask as you listen to these lyrics that you would just invite the Holy Spirit in to minister to you personally. Take your hand and walk on 
Just have faith. Reach out and take my hand. In the stories we read about today, there were hundreds, hundreds of people in the crowd. In both those stories, but only one person cried out to Jesus, and he responded. One person. I have to believe there are more people in the crowd that wanted to reach out, that wanted to cry out to Jesus, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. But for whatever reason, they didn't that day. If you have never accepted Jesus as your personal savior, we want to give you that opportunity. Today is your day. Today is your day for breakthrough. Today is your day for transformation. Perhaps you are like me, who was sitting in these very seats not that long ago. And week after week, I would raise my hand. Yeah, Jesus. I want more of you. I, w- I want more of you, Jesus. 
but I've already done this, but I'll do it again. Week after week, I would do that. And over time, something began to change. And I began to cry out like a blind man. Jesus, I don't understand. I know there's more, but I don't know what this is supposed to look like, Jesus. Jesus, are you really there? Jesus, I am afraid. Jesus, this is costing me. What more do you want? And in that moment, all I heard is, baby girl, I just want your heart. That's all I want. Can I have your heart? That was for someone here today. So without anyone looking around, please raise your hand if you're ready to take that next step. We want to pray with you. All right, you can put your hands down. These are not magic words. I'm going to invite you all to repeat them after me. Father God, I give you my life. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. Forgive me of my sins and change my life. In your name we pray. It's something to celebrate today. And if you raised your hand today, I want you to grab a Connect card. Make sure you put your name on there and check the box next steps because one of the pastors here wants to reach out to you. We're not meant to walk this journey alone. I'm going to close in prayer here. Awesome God, we leave today and we put our trust in you. May praise ever be on our lips as we tell of your righteousness. God, I pray that you would help us to abide in your word and let it guide us in all that we say and in all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.